0: Who is Jesus? That is the most critical question each of us must come uh, to a conclusion about, and it's a question that you will see dramatically arise in the text before us tonight. It's in John chapter 5. We'll pick up where we left off last week, so now we're in verse 16 tonight. John chapter 5, verse 16, and I'll give you a chance to get there. Don't you think it's good that we're spending so much time in John? By now, uh, your Bible probably opens automatically to it. I'm just trying to to help you here. This is be so much easier than if we were studying like Habakkuk. You can never find Habakkuk. It's in there somewhere, but no one can find it. But you have found your way to John. Look, John chapter 5, verse 16. For this reason, the Jews were persecuting Jesus. And, of course, you're anxious to ask the question, for what reason? Well, hang on just for a second. You'll see it. But first, I wanted us to pause and just take note of this rather astounding reality. It's this. We have a persecuted Savior. It's overwhelming because we know the Savior to be God fleshed. He has no beginning nor end. He is almighty God. And yet he was persecuted. Our Savior was persecuted. And the original language here tells us it was ongoing and regular. It wasn't a one-time event. This was his lot in life. Here's the point, bask in this reality. It cost Jesus a lot to redeem us. That is an inexpressible love that will never let us go. Well, the Jews, remember I pointed out last time when you see that word in the gospels, it's a reference to a limited group of Jews, not all the Jews, but the Jewish religious leadership they were persecuting Jesus, and now we can answer the question, for what reason? It says, because he was doing these things on the Sabbath. You recall what some of those things were. Jesus healed a man who had been sick, unable to have any mobility for 38 years, In the power of his word, boom, uh, the Lord pronounced healing upon him and then commanded him to walk and pick up his bed or pallet with him. Well, that's what caused all the trouble because the Jewish religious leadership, the rabbis of the day said, that is a violation of the Sabbath to carry things like the bed. So did Jesus violate God's laws with reference to the Sabbath? He did not. He simply opposed man-made laws with regard to, the Sabbath, and we are told how he, the Lord, responded. Verse 17, but he answered them, my father is working until now, and I myself am working. So the father, as you know, rested on the seventh day from his work of creation, but he has never rested from his work of sustaining the world which he has created. In fact, if the father ever ceased from his providential care of the world in which we live, it would disintegrate, wouldn't hold together, there would be no sun, there would be no water, no rain. So the father is perpetually at work in sustaining the universe which he has created. And so unless the father continued to work, even on the Sabbath, (laughs) we would have no hope. But, and it's not that God uh, doesn't only cease from the work of sustaining the universe. Do you know God never rests from his work at redeeming lost men and women? So in two ways, the Father never ceases to work, and that is to sustain the world he created and two, to seek lost people who might be saved and so the sustaining and redeeming works of the Father the Lord Jesus is making the point surely do not violate the fourth commandment with regard to the Sabbath and so God ceaselessly works in sustaining the world and he ceaselessly works in redeeming sinners and so the Lord Jesus therefore declared here my Father is working until now and wow this statement and I myself am working. Well, it's a little easy for us We're so far removed from the context, it's a little easy for us to miss the impact of what he said. In saying two words, in saying, my father, Jesus is claiming two things. One, he's claiming a special intimacy with God, and two, this is the clincher, he's claiming equality with God. The Jewish religious leaders understood him to make that claim, as you will see in their reaction in just a minute. You see Jewish people spoke in terms of our father just as we do today but rarely my father and if they ever used the phrase my father they would couple it with this my father in heaven so or something like it so as to minimize any insinuation of undue familiarity with transcendent deity But Jesus, without hesitation, says, that may be you, but he is my Father with intimacy. In fact, he and I shared it before the world was. So he declares this, Jesus does, not only an intimate relationship with God, but even equality with God. That's what the Jewish religious leaders heard, as you can see in verse 18. For this reason, therefore, the Jews were seeking all the more to kill him because he not only was breaking the Sabbath, that was a really no-no, that freaked them out. He broke the Sabbath from their point of view. But also, he was calling God his own father, making himself, you see, equal with God. So that he violated Sabbath traditions was enough to drive them crazy. But then on top of it, he claimed that God was his own father and that the implication is he is equal with God. So the text says, for this reason, they were seeking to kill him. Therefore, Jesus answered and was saying to them, truly, truly, I say to you, the son can do nothing himself unless it is something he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, these things the son also does in like manner. Don't misunderstand. Uh, The text is not saying that the Lord Jesus has limited ability in doing what he determines to do. Oh no, he's God. What it is saying is that it is absolutely contrary to his nature for him to do anything independent of God the Father. So it says the son can do nothing of himself. You see, they were accusing him of rebellion and blasphemy. And he was saying uh, in response, oh, no, no. Uh, Though I share equality with God, I do not opt for independence from him. No, no, no. Not only am I not in rebellion against the father, I choose to do nothing of my And so the Father and the Son are always at work, and they always work together. Verse 20, for the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. And the Father will show him greater works than these so that you will marvel. Look, the religious leaders hate the Son. God the Father loves the Son. And consistent with the son's intimate relationship with the father, Jesus healed a man on the Sabbath. They accused him of wrongdoing, but that was consistent with the will of the father because the son doesn't operate independently of the father. And then the text says that that, Can you imagine? That's an amazing thing. This man has been afflicted with some illness for 38 years. He's in his middle age now. He's probably given up hope. Nobody has hope of him ever being healed, different than he is. Suddenly, Dr. Jesus shows up and, boom, pronounced healing upon him. That's amazing. Could you do that? Let me answer. No, you cannot. But Jesus can. But the text says, you think that's something. Oh, no, 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 no. He will do greater works by which you will marvel, which makes you ask, really? What, what's greater than that? Well, verse 21. For just as the Father, listen, raises the dead and gives them life, even so the Son also give, gives life to whom he wishes. Listen, this persecuted, defamed, and demeaned Jesus not only healed the sick, he has the power to raise the dead. In other words, he has power and authority to give life. Physical, yes, but spiritual. We're evidence of it, are we not? We were dead in transgressions and sins, and Jesus made us alive. He has that capacity, and that's a marvelous work. But there's more. Verse 22 For not even the Father judges anyone, but he has given all judgment to the Son. Once again, this persecuted, demeaned, and uh, and, uh, criticized Jesus not only has resurrection power and authority, he has authority to judge. So the son's authority to give life is coupled with the son's authority to judge the way we creaturely beings live our lives. Oh my goodness, you betcha he's equal to the Father. Not only is Jesus therefore not at odds with the Father as the religious leaders accused him of being, he is loved by the Father. He is equal to the Father in essential divinity and he has been given authority over life and death by the Father. Why? Here's why, verse 23. So that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. Could I tell you that is blasphemy, unless Jesus is God. Who else would you give this kind of worshipful honor to except Almighty God? And so the text says, the purpose of all that the Lord is doing and manifesting and demonstrating to us is so that all will honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. In fact, he who does not honor the Son, wow, does not honor the Father who sent him, Well. So the Jewish religious leaders thought they were honoring God, listen to this, by dishonoring Jesus. Interesting. But in dishonoring the Son, they were dishonoring the Father who sent him. And folks, this here is one of the clearest statements in all of the Bible on the deity of Jesus Christ. That means he's God. See, if the Son was not God, it would be really, really wrong to honor the Son, even as they honor the Father. That's exactly the imperative we are presented with here. Uh, Here's the conclusion. Who is Jesus? Jesus is God. And to think of him as less than that is to dishonor the Father, see? That's true. Numbers of people, sadly oftentimes uh, devout, religious people, because of their low estimation of who Jesus is, are actually, this offends them, but it's true, but are actually dishonoring God. You see, the correct notion of who Jesus is is so crucial uh, that the Lord made this as his um, primary and sort of final exam question to his intimate followers. Towards the end of his earthly ministry, he took them to the place we think to be his northern, the northernmost limit of his travels. It's in a place called Caesarea Philippi. And an incident is, Beth was there, an incident is recorded in uh, Matthew chapter 16. You remember where the Lord said, who do people say that I am? You see how important it is that folks be presented with that question but be supplied with the right answer uh, to it. So I want to take the next few minutes to tell you very briefly how various religious groups answer the question. Let's start with Judaism. Judaism, the religion of Jewish people, says that Jesus was perhaps a good teacher, you know, a rabbi with a following of disciples, but he is not God. Islam says that Jesus is to be honored as a great prophet, but he is not God. Hinduism says that Jesus was a holy man, but he is not God. Buddhism, by the way, wait your turn, I'm offending everyone tonight. Equal opportunity offender, that's me. Buddhism says that Jesus was an enlightened man, but he is not God. The Baha'i faith, some of these you won't be familiar with, but I want to tell you why we, while we sit here, comfortably in this beautiful environment, the world's population is uh, divided up on, uh, 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 in, in the midst of many of these aberrant religious groups. There's a reality out there that's pretty doggone scary. And so there are lots of members of what's called the Baha'i Uh, In fact, in Haifa, in Israel, it's a big, beautiful Baha'i temple. It's beautiful architecturally. It's, to me, ugly in terms of what it stands for. Anyway, the Baha'i faith says that Jesus reflects the attributes of the divine into the world. Sounds complimentary, doesn't it? But he is not God in their perspective. Christian science which is, by the way, neither Christian nor scientific, Christian science says that Jesus was the Son of God, but he is not God. Ekankar, that's a cult, Ekankar says that Jesus is one of the many saviors and prophets, but he is not God. The Himalayan Institute, its leader is Swami Rama, says that Jesus is your soul and that you can see him in all beings, but he is not God. The International Society for Krishna Consciousness, you know, Krishna, Hare Krishna, you know, Krishna. Anyway, that's the Society for Krishna Consciousness. says that Jesus is a devotee of God and the Son of God but God has billions of sons. Therefore, he is not uniquely the son of God, nor is he God. Jehovah's Witnesses, Watchtower Society, say that Jesus is sort of an emanation from God, Jehovah God. That's where they take their name, Jehovah's Witnesses. Jesus is in kind of a emanation away from God. By the way, you are too in Watchtower thinking. It's just that you're a further emanation away from God than Jesus. So they think they're really giving him some accolades here. He's not actually God fully. He's an emanation away uh, from God. But he's definitely not not God. Mormons, Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints say that Jesus is the fir- By the way, I'm just telling you what they say. So if you're taking offense with what I'm saying, too bad. I'm, I'm just stating, I mean, we state our convictions publicly as do these religious groups. I'm just telling, and so you weigh in on it. You just tell me if what these groups are saying squares with what we just read in the passage in John. So anyway, Mormons say that Jesus is the firstborn spirit, son, in the eternal family, and that he progressed and became like the Father in some ways. In other words, he sort of became God. He grew, he progressed, but he is not pre-existent deity. See, one of the distinctives of God is that he always was. He had no beginning nor has any end. And in Mormon theology, that's not true of Jesus. New thought is a new age philosophy which says that Jesus exemplified the great principle of perfection and wholeness. But he is not God. The Rajneesh Foundation, its leader was Bhagwan Shri Rajneesh. I'm a little familiar with this because I was uh, in Oregon in seminary a million years ago when this character set up his place in Antelope, Oregon. Those poor people, it was a rural place out there in Oregon. Next thing you know, they are inundated by this guy, Rajneesh, and all his followers. And he was the guy who, uh, if you really wanted to show your a devotion to him, you would present him with a Rolls Royce. You hear about this? This guy had all these Rolls Royces, you know, that kind of deal. Man, I'd settle for like a Volkswagen, <laughs> but this guy had high standards. Anyway, this is, the, this is the guy. Rajneesh Foundation says, this is a direct quote to tell you, you're not going to like this. I hope you don't like this. To tell you the truth, Jesus is a mental case. He is a fanatic. He carries the same kind of mind as Adolf Hitler. He is a fascist. He thinks that only those who follow him will be saved. The Sai Baba Society, Eastern religion, says the, here's a quote, the inner mystery of the incarnation is God incarnating us incarnating in all of us. All are one, the one is all, but Jesus is not God. Scientology, you know about this, don't you? Some Hollywood, notable Hollywood folks who are bored with all their fame and money, got nothing to do, so they get into this. Scientology, L. Ron Hubbard, you know, he wrote the book Dianetics and all this stuff. Anyway, Scientology says, here's a direct quote, neither Lord Buddha nor Jesus Christ were OTs. That stands for Operation Thetans Enlightened Beings. That's the high state you reach in Scientology. So they weren't OTs, according to the evidence, they say. They were just a shade above clear. That's a technical term for, which meaning means relatively low on the Scientology scale of spiritual advancement. To which I say, what the heck are they talking? Anyway, uh, theosophy, have you heard theosophy? Says, uh, a direct quote, nowhere throughout the New Testament is Jesus found calling himself God. What? They didn't read what we just read or anything higher than a son of God, the son of a father, common to all. He's not uniquely God, though. Transcendental meditation says, when Christ said, be still and know that I am God, he also meant, be still and know that you are God. That's not right. How about the Unification Church? Reverend Moon, you know him? Well, he's the guy whose organization, sometimes they have weddings involving thousands of people. These are prearranged weddings, thousands of people. Anyway, Reverend Moon said, it is a great error to think Jesus was God himself. Jesus is no different from other men. Hey, don't you think it's interesting that all of these uh, religions and aberrant groups and cults weigh in on the issue of Jesus? Why don't they even comment? Why don't they just do their own thing? I'll tell you why. Jesus is an issue. You cannot ignore him. Oh, no. You can harden yourself. You cannot ignore him. He's authentic. I mean, we're not sitting around commenting, you know, on all these groups, right? This is the first time we've mentioned them here in, in Sagemont Church as far, as far as I know. We just let them do their thing because we know their deceptions and their lies and their fraudulent and all the rest. Why are all these groups weighing in on who Jesus is? Because he is who he said he is. And uh, if you accept it, you must bow before him. And people don't want to do it. So uh, how about Unitarian Universalism? Mm. Uh, they say, direct quote from Valdemar Argo, one of their founders, they do not regard him as a supernatural creature, the literal son of God who was miraculously sent to earth as part of an involved plan for the salvation of human souls. No, we don't regard him that way. Unity school of Christianity." You find Unity Churches here in Houston. There's one that has a television show out of Houston. Uh, I mean, it's in Houston. You find it on TV on Sundays. Unity School, Charles Fillmore is kind of the pioneer. says, most of our religious beliefs are based on the erroneous idea that Jesus is the only begotten Son of God. That's a direct assault on what most of you believe, isn't it? Talk about direct assault. If you go to Israel, Jerusalem, and you go up on what's called the Temple Mount, on which used to stand the first and second temples, and now which stands what's called the Dome of the Rock, you've seen that thing? It's golden domed, a beautiful piece of architecture. It's the third holiest site in Islam. There's Arabic inscriptions writing along the side of it. If you, if you want a direct a translation of what it is, I'll send it to you. Just email me, but I'm paraphrasing. Here's what it says. O ye people of the book, that's you guys, Christians, people of the book. Oh ye people of the book, do not be so foolish. God has no son. That's right there, right over there. I mean, we're not writing that stuff around the perimeter of this building, are we? I'll tell you what we're doing. We're praying for lost people. And we're providing an opportunity, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, for lost people of all stripes to hear the truth, the gospel. But we're not majoring on deception and lies. It's very interesting. Don't you think that they weigh in on this Jesus? That just really tells me, wow, I bet he is who he says he is. How about the Way International, Victor Paul Weirwild He says that putting Jesus on God's level degrades God. I back go on and on and on. But my guess is I've ruined your appetite enough. Folks, people who are persuaded they are honoring God, yet who merely think of Jesus as a good teacher or a moral exemplar or a revered prophet or a master of higher consciousness, folks, they are not... According to the text we just read, they are not honoring God. The text says, he who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Now listen, folks. Come on, let's be reasonable. He cannot, Jesus, he cannot be a good teacher. He can't be an exemplar of morality if he claimed to be God yet isn't. And that is, in our text, exactly what he laid claim to. He laid claim to equality with God. Now, is this an empty, unsubstantiated claim? No. It was confirmed, you know how? By the resurrection. (laughs) Can you pull that off? Can any of the leaders of these groups I told you about Do they have power over the last enemy death? Jesus does. The Father vindicated the Son through the resurrection. Oh, my goodness. Easter is just ahead of us, isn't it? What a day of celebration. Oh, my goodness. He's a risen Savior. And the resurrection validates him, vindicates him, confirms he is exactly who he claimed uh, to be. See see. You've heard this. There are options. They all start with L. He's either a liar, or he is a lunatic, or he is Lord. Those are the options. Liar, lunatic, or Lord. Who do you say Jesus is? Mm. He has the power and the authority to grant new life. Think about it to all who honor him for who he is. He is Lord. We want to tell people that in various ways. In the next few days at the Tell Crusade, we want people to know Jesus is Lord. He's not liar. He's not a lunatic. He is Lord. And he demonstrated his lordship Overall, by particularly showing us his mastery over what haunts us, death. He has mastery over it. No, he's no pretender to the throne. Pretenders to the throne show us no evidentiary basis for believing their claims, but Jesus can be believed in. Up from the grave, he arose. That's a big thing. That rules out any other supposition about Jesus and obligates us to believe on him in light of what he says right here. He's one with the Father. Jesus is Lord. Thank you for praying that folks this weekend would have an opportunity to embrace Jesus as Lord. Isn't it wonderful that by his grace, most of us here have been able to do that. We can't do that on our own. He's enabled us to move from darkness to life, hasn't he? And given us really wonderful, really, really wonderful new life. In the last um, oh, week and a half or so, uh, two weeks, 19 people from our midst have passed away. 19 people. Age ranges from, I believe, 36, the youngest, wonderful Jeff Gerasi, and the oldest, 103, Emry Gad's aunt in Georgia. I often wonder, do you, why God uh, allows some of us to have a longer span here than others? I don't know. Why is the span of some people so abbreviated, others so elongated. My mother lived to be 100, but my father died at 67. I don't know that, that's one of the things I'm anxious to have the Lord explain to me when we're in his midst and see him face to face. But I don't think the uh, longevity or length of our life is the issue. It's that our lives would be lived in light of an accurate answer about who Jesus is for even Jeff who passed at 36 rendered the right answer he knew, he knew Jesus was Lord and Savior so yes we celebrated even the, the passing of a young man who didn't have many years here yet we celebrated because we know we know where to find him can you see how crucial and critical uh, this is aren't you grateful and blessed that Jesus, who has authority over life and has the authority to judge, has said in various ways to one such as you and I, I'll not judge you for your sin. I've cast it behind my back. Isn't it wonderful that he said to us, there is no condemnation for you. I've granted you a right standing with me (laughs) apart from anything you've done and not done but based on the fact that not just intellectually but you got to start there intellectually you rendered the right decision you came to the right conclusion about who Jesus is you called him God and Lord and then you acted upon it by inviting him to take control of your life have mastery of your life and you've yielded to him I know not without flaw we're growing But, oh my goodness, the whole direction is different. Now we live in light of the Lordship of Christ, don't we? And when he tells us your time here is up, life with the Lord just continues on a new and better plane. Isn't it wonderful? Uh, He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead. That proves he is Lord. So good to know him now. But eventually, every knee and every tongue confess, Jesus is Lord. Let's stand and sing that on our way out. you got to help me because I'm not good at this. (laughs) He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead, and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue. That Jesus Christ. God bless you, folks. Be blessed in living under the lordship of Jesus Christ. God bless you.